This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Welcome back to the DTC pod, everybody. I'm your host, Jay, and today we have a special guest with us, Jordan West, who is an e-commerce investor, podcast host, and agency owner at Mindful Marketing Company. He is here to talk with us about how he was able to do $250,000 of sales in 24 hours with no Facebook ads. Really impressive to do. I know a lot of direct-to-consumer and e-commerce brands, especially when they're starting, a lot of the acquisition is done through paid, usually running ads and things like that to acquire customers. Um, So it's really interesting and really fun to talk to someone who's done kind of the opposite of that. But before we dive into the topic that we have over here today... I want to pass the mic over to Jordan. Jordan, if you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself uh, and kind of what you do and, and the product that you've been able to to generate um, sales for. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thanks so much for having me on this podcast. This is like one of my favorite things to do in the world is come on other people's podcasts. So this is absolutely wonderful. So, you know, a little bit about me. I started out my whole business career. I first actually started as a paramedic and I was like, huh. I want to do something in business. What should I do? So I looked on Craigslist. I found a Taco Del Mar restaurant and I purchased it. I spent about $35,000 on purchasing it. At the time, they were going through a bankruptcy. And I thought, I mean, what's the worst thing that can happen? I lose $35,000, right? Like, ah, it's not, not the end of the world. We got bought by Subway in the meantime, our head office. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is incredible. Well, the worst case scenario was that I actually lost about $150,000 throughout all of that in five years of my time. And it was a very difficult, <laughs> difficult time, but I learned tons during that. What happened throughout that is my wife and I had our first child and she had a fashion design background and we were trying out cloth diapers at the time, which is just like cloth diapers are the worst. I, I don't know why we ever tried to, tried to do that, but we did. Um, and they're pretty bulky. And so she couldn't find leggings that would go over top of cloth diapers. So she's like, well, I'll just design some. So she designed them, people saw them, friends, and they're like, you should make those and sell them at markets. So she did. And we would sell out every single time she went to these markets. We thought, ah, maybe this is a real business. We went on Etsy, of course, kind of made that transition. And then I think the real transition was when uh, we decided to have our own website and, you know, we hosted on Shopify. Uh, Luckily, we picked Shopify at the time. I'm so glad I didn't have to make any... (laughs) any migrations at the time. And like, I think this is 2015. It wasn't clear who to go with, right? It wasn't like Shopify wasn't exactly who they are now in 2021, where it's like, there's not really much of a choice in my opinion. Interesting. Cause I was literally yeah. just on the, um, Equid podcast, but, uh, I'd never even realized that that was another great option, <laughs> but all that to say, you know, we picked Shopify and I said, you know, can I start just trying out Facebook marketing. I tried it out a little bit at the restaurant and honestly seen great results. I was able to target the high school really close to us, all the kids that were there. It was like, it was pretty cool, the things that I was seeing. And so I just started to run campaigns. I literally had no clue what I was doing. I ran engagement campaigns, but now I look back on them. And actually today, now when I look back on them, I can't see any of the results because of iOS 14 and everything that's happened to reporting on Facebook. But I look back on those and my return on ad spend on those engagement campaigns. So I'm running campaigns on Facebook, just trying to get people to engage with posts. And my return on ad spend was like 70. So like a dollar in, $70 out. Absolutely 
incredible results. And so we just grew the business from there and we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, who does and who did in, in e-com, right? Like even five years ago, it was still just kind of like, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. Um, so really that's what my experience has been over the years is in building this brand, which has now turned into three brands and we're acquiring two more brands right now is really just figuring things out as we go, because there's not a ton of people to learn from in the space, right? A lot of people who have, you know, done their own thing. I've followed Ezra Firestone for years and, and figured out what he's doing. And it's been really interesting throughout all of that. My wife and I realized that we don't work super well day to day together in the business. So I started a marketing agency because that was what I was good at. So we started Mindful Marketing and haven't looked back there. I brought a business partner in there who does most of the day-to-day -day operations. We've grown to, uh, I think there's 15 of us now there. And uh, and so, yeah, my entire life is e-commerce, but beyond that, it's really brand building is really what I'm passionate about. Awesome. That's really cool. And so for the product that you, you know, you were able to generate $250,000 in sales in, is that the one that you were talking about right now? Yeah. So that was with our, our core brand uh, that's little and lively. So it wasn't a specific, like one specific product. This was an entire collection launch, right? So twice a year, we do these big launches. We're actually coming up into our spring summer launch right now where, you know, we get a lot of hype around this and then we launch a whole line of products all of them in the apparel space. Uh, we have women's and a little bit of men's and then baby and kids clothing in there as well. Very cool. Uh, so what kind of stood out to me over there is, you know, you talked about your background a little bit. You grew a lot through ads. Uh, why the decision to not really use ads in the first 24 hours? Was it just because you already had the audience there or was it something else? Yeah, so we actually didn't on this particular launch, we didn't run ads for two weeks afterwards. Uh, we couldn't. We just had all of this traffic coming in after this particular launch that, you know, we did 250,000 that first day. And, I, and I'll walk back and I'll t I, I want to walk people right through how we did it, because I think it's something that is repeatable and that people can do themselves. But it wasn't just the 250,000 that day. It was then 50,000 the next day. And, you know, like our average last year was about 10K a day plus or minus, probably a little bit higher than that. But it was like, you know, 250 and then 50 and then 40 and then 40. Our sales just kept up like that. And all we were running was just some retargeting ads, like maybe 80 bucks a day, like not much uh, throughout that entire time. And then it was about two weeks later when I was like, I guess I can turn cold advertising on at this point. Like, <laughs> we'll see about that. But I mean, our, we do internal fulfillment. And I really believe I love internal fulfillment from a brand perspective. I like, you know, third party makes sense if you're selling maybe like only a couple products for us we have 550 SKUs with that particular product line so it makes a lot more sense for us to internally fulfill that very cool so yeah i, I know you mentioned that you, you were going to dive into that strategy and stuff like that i would love if you could uh kind of outline kind of walk us through what you did leading up to the launch of the collection and anything specific that you did that you think other brands might be able to repeat when launching Totally. So I'm actually going to step back a little bit before I actually talk about the launch itself, because there's a lot that went into it before that and, and things that we've been building for a while now. So we started a VIP, a Facebook VIP group about a year and a half ago. I'd heard that it was a great idea. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how to monetize it. I was like, ah, let's start a VIP group and let's get some conversation going. I didn't realize what an absolute goldmine a VIP group is. There's incredible things that you can do with it. First of all, it's user-generated content all the time. We ask people, hey, just post pictures of your kids in our clothes uh, or yourself, right? And so we'll get like 20 to 30 posts a day from our customers posting about our clothes to our super fans, right? So it just perpetuates 
this idea of our brand. So first of all, we've we built this you know group. I think it's about nine thousand people now. And then alongside of that, we also built a VIP SMS group, so text messaging, to be able to give them access. So to get them into these groups, we were basically telling them, hey, you're going to get early access to sales and to new launches. That was all that we told them. We weren't giving them a discount. We were really trying not to discount a lot, just every once in a while. And so you know, we, we let them know, like, hey, this is how you're going to be able to get into the group. So once we built the group up to a certain level, I think it was about 4,000 on both sides, we started doing little things like, hey, we'd get, you know, do a one day flash sale just within the group and, and saw how that performed. And that did pretty well. And we thought, you know, there's probably a better way we can do this. There's probably some interesting ways that we can use this group and make them feel even more special and actual VIP. And so I'd read this book years ago. I think this was in 2016. I read this book by Jonah Berger called Contagious. And in it, he talks about this fashion brand that was really struggling and they were about to go bankrupt. And they tried this idea where they just locked their website all the time. And then on Friday, they would give the password and people just went crazy. It was the same product. They rebranded the exact same product and they ended up selling out like all the time. And I was like, ha, we could try that. So what we decided to do is not all the time password protect the site, but 12 hours before the launch, it might have even been longer than that you know, in anticipation of getting the website ready for this big launch, because we're adding tons of products, making these all go live, having to reprice a lot of items, put them into the sales section and all of that sort of stuff. We just shut the website down and um, you could only enter if you had a password. And so we gave our VIPs two hours early access. So this was 10 a.m. Pacific that we told them you're going to get early access. So we sent out an SMS that had the password we sent out a Facebook VIP group message that had the password and then we watched. <laughs> so we looked on Google Analytics and Shopify Analytics and we're like, the first minute we had 3,500 people on the site. Like, oh my gosh. And then we had like 100 people wanting to join the VIP group because on the password page, we told people, hey, if you want the password, join the VIP group. And so we were serious about that, right? There's a lot of psychology that goes into something like this. And this is why I think it's so powerful is that people have to enter this password to go in, right? So they made a micro commitment starting out by putting the password in, right? And then once they're in, they don't want to go back. Uh, there's a word I, I've been using recently. It's super nerdy, but I love it. It's a, a Rubicon, right? So a Rubicon is uh, a door you can go in, but you can't go back through. And so our conversion rate is like 15% during these launches. And I think that that has a lot to do with it, right? As people enter, they enter the password, which is this micro commitment, and then they're in and they don't want to go back out. They're through the velvet rope, right? So in those first two hours, we did about $120,000 of sales. And this is just on regular, regular old Shopify. We, I just don't believe in Shopify plus. So <laughs> even though I'm a Shopify partner, but <laughs> I just like, it's incredible what you can do with regular old Shopify. So yeah, so we did that. I've done this launch now, gated launches, I believe three or four times since. Every time we either sell out of product or very close to that. We had another launch where in the first hour we did $150,000 of sales and then we sold out. <laughs> so that was a specific product that we were launching. But yeah, it's it's incredible. There's I love the strategy. It's a long-term strategy, right? Having the VIP group and the SMS list. But it's something, if you have a list, you know, you could start it with email. It's, there's absolutely no reason you can't start it with email. I don't like it on email because I, I don't feel like it's quite as personal as an SMS uh, message or the VIP group. But yeah, that's kind of the general overview of what a gated launch looks like.
Are you interested in DTC and e-commerce content? Join Trend's exclusive community for everything DTC, the DTCers community. We're talking marketing, product, growth, and more, all about DTC. Go to trend.io slash podcast. That's T-R-E-N-D dot I-O slash podcast and look for the Slack community link to claim your invite. We hope to see you on there. I love that. And thanks for diving into so much detail over there. I kind of want to talk and, and break down a little bit even backwards on the strategy, which is the Facebook group. How did you work on getting those initial users into either the Facebook group itself or that SMS VIP list? Are those people the most popular customers you had that you did some manual re- outreach to to get, try and get them in the group? How did you work on growing that those uh, groups at the beginning? Yeah, I'd say the first thousand was the hardest to get into the group. So we literally, we just sent out emails to our Clavio list and just let people know, hey, we're starting this VIP group. You're going to get early access. That's all that we said. <laughs> um, so I think the first thousand people took about a week to get in. Um, and then after that, it was just a snowball effect. Actually, interestingly, I, I forgot that we still do this because it's just baked into what we do. Now, the way that we get people into the group is every person who orders for the first time gets triggered. So I'll, I'll actually walk um, your listeners through this exactly how we do this. So we use um, Shopify on the one end. We use Zapier to take all that information, move it over to a service called Bonjuro where we then send each new person a personalized video from one of our team members. So one of our team members says like, hey Jay, thanks so much for ordering the cinnamon pullover. I know you're gonna absolutely love it. If you want to connect with other users, or sorry, other customers um, just like yourself and ask some questions, join our VIP group. There's a link below this video to join. We'd love to see you there. And that's how we get people in. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Do you do any sort of, when building this group, I'm curious, so obviously, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of word of mouth that goes into it now in terms of people that get added to the group. How is your group growth right now? Do you still do any like of that outreach to try and get them to join? Or is most of the group joining done through like referral? Like, hey, I'm in this VIP group. I think you should join this VIP group as well. It's probably 50-50 the video reach outs versus those, uh, versus people just telling telling their friends about that. That's kind of what the mix is right now. We're still seeing pretty significant growth, probably at least 500 members a week coming in. So it's really sustainable growth within that VIP um, community. The only thing that I'm worried about is just that we're, that group is on rented land being, you know, on Facebook. But that doesn't mean I'm not still, you know, that I don't still love it. I'm just always weary about anything to do with Facebook and Instagram and that, you know, at any moment they could pull the wool out from underneath us. And (laughs) that's my big worry with the Facebook VIP group. I've seen other people try it on different platforms. Uh, For business to business, I love Slack. I think that Slack groups are a great way to go because you really do own that group there. It's just a little bit interesting. You know, is this going to stick around forever? If not, I'll probably find a different platform for people to go onto. But right now, Facebook is just they they love groups, right? They've been prioritizing groups for years, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Very cool. So kind of going back to, you know, your launches of your collections and things like that, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was having that audience kind of ready to go to be able to jump in and buy the product. So I want to ask you as someone who hosts their own podcast too, and has probably talked to some other founders as well, and you've got your own experience also, 
Do you think that it's necessary today to have an audience before you launch a product or can you still run a product launch successfully while you're still working out and building the base structure of your audience? I think that you can still, in this day and age, still launch a product without an audience to start, but you better be willing to pay for it, right? You're either going to pay with your time or you're going to pay with your money to the big platforms. And I still, I mean, I love advertising. I think advertising works incredibly well. It's just knowing, it's redefining what the key performance indicators are in my mind, right? Figuring out what you're doing. You're not just going to try to sell a product, right? Um, Building a brand, in my opinion, is a lot bigger. It's a bit of a longer process, but man, does it ever pay off over time? Like I know I'm buying two brands right now and I'm going to pay a lot more for those brands than I would for a product centric business. Does that kind of answer your question, Jay? Yeah, yeah, that does. And that that makes a lot of sense over there. So I want to connect back on, you know, your product launch. And it sounds like the the password generation and the VIP group has been a really great driver of that. Is there anything else that you're doing or any other recommendations that you've seen from other brands that brands can implement to create more buzz around their product and really just get their customer list or people that they target through ads excited about a product? Yeah, totally. I mean, first of all, gathering them in one place, I think is just so important, right? Because then they get the hype uh, and the excitement of hearing from other people, right? That like the same product. People love you know, to be validated in their choices, right? And so when you gather everybody together, like in a VIP group, they're validating each other. Like, oh my gosh, you like this too? I like this. This is a great brand. I thought I was the only one. It's a great place. So wherever you can gather people, I don't know of a better place, to be honest, than in a Facebook VIP group right now. Um, I still think that it's the best. A couple of uh, interesting things that I, I wanted to point out with a VIP group as well, Jay, Uh, Some of the incredible things that you can do to build up hype within there is, and sorry, not only build up hype, but also just get incredible feedback is ask polls. So we, we do polls all the time, right? Before a big launch, we'll just do a quick poll like, hey, who's excited about the launch tomorrow? And then we'll just put some funny answers in there and we'll have like a thousand people respond, right? And then we'll have all these comments like, oh my gosh, I forgot about the launch. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, and then people will tag their friends. That's a huge one. We use polls all the time in the VIP group to ask their opinion on things. So we were about to launch a product during the Christmas season and we asked our VIP group, hey, which one of these do you like? Or which one of these do you like more? And everyone was like, we don't like either of them. We had like 200 comments saying, we basically don't like either of these designs. Oh my gosh, you just saved us like $100,000 because we were about to produce all of that for you. Uh, And so we went back to the drawing board, quickly changed the design, put it out there and people were like, we love those. Those are great. So there's so many things that you can do with these groups. One other great way to get feedback as well, and this is a bit of an aside, but something I think that all e-com store, uh, stores should be doing is running post-purchase surveys. I can't say enough good things about post-purchase surveys. First of all, figuring out why people love your brand. So we ask people the second time that they purchase from us, why did you come back? It's funny, I shouldn't even run the survey anymore because it's the same answer every single time for us. It's just the quality, right? We love your quality. Your quality is what brings us back. Your designs, your customer service, like those are sort of the three main things that we hear all the time. The other amazing question that we ask in these post-purchase surveys is, uh, where did you hear about us, right? It's like the simplest question, right? People have been asking this question for ages, but not really in e-commerce. For some reason, people just thought I should use Facebook's attribution system and Google's attribution system or buy some third party. 
why don't we just ask people, hey, where'd you hear about us? And interestingly, the platforms all underreport. Almost everybody says that they heard about us either because we're in a store. So, I mean, I know this is the D2C podcast, but I also love, for brands, I love also being in stores because it's just another marketing channel, right? We get so much business, probably 20% of our businesses because they walked into a store, saw our clothes, didn't have the size that they wanted, and they ordered from us. So really, really powerful stuff. But we're seeing the platforms underreport constantly. Actually, Google overreports and Facebook is surprisingly underreports as far as what consumers tell us. Very interesting. And that's really cool. I, I was just about to actually, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to jump in and ask about, you know, closing that product loop or and that product feedback loop that you're essentially doing with those polls and just really asking for feedback there. So I wanted to dig in a little bit more on the feedback that you do in that group specifically. You know, you talked about post-purchase surveys, but you've also talked about the polls as well. Is that something that you're doing before every single product launch? Or is there sometimes like that feeling that you know that, hey, we've been in this space for so long. So my gut tells me that this is the right decision to make. Or is that something you're constantly doing every single time you're launching something new? No, no, we just had our end of season sale this morning and we decided not to go with a gated launch. I like to mix it up, right? So our sales still went awesome. I mean, it's not 250,000, but we're going to be up in that range. And we didn't do it as a gated launch. Today was just a regular old launch. And I just want i just want to keep people on their toes. I don't want them to think that we have some kind of formula that we're using. We just really, the whole idea is let people know about it, right? Let your customers know about it and then, and then open it up. <laughs> so for us, that's worked really well. We do have, you know, really loyal customers to our brand. So that definitely helps. And that's something that I'm just trying to preach right now, right? Is like, build a loyal following, right? And the sales will come. Yeah, definitely. And so on that note, you know, part of building a successful e-commerce or direct-to-consumer brand is having customers rebuy from you, right? Customer acquisition is great. Bringing in new people is great, but it, it really doesn't turn into a win for your business until they start repurchasing from you. Um, Cause that's where you really start to see uh, the yeah. nice margins because you don't have to pay to acquire that customer. They were already there in the first place. Um, so I'd be curious, what are some of the strategies and things that you are doing to help kind of create that flywheel of uh, repurchases or, or just buying a new product that you release? Yeah, totally. So I mean, the big part about that is product development, right? So constantly iterating. We do another really fun thing where, uh, you know, we stole this from Disney where we put designs into the vault. So every time that a season ends, that design is gone. And our regular customers, you know, a lot of them are buying for their kids. And so their kids will grow. And they're like, oh, I just wish that we had that design. So again, we use our VIP group. We ask them, hey, which product do you want back from the vault? And we give them five choices. And then we bring that product back and it sells out immediately. So it's a great way to increase that customer lifetime value. We've actually done a study at Mindful Marketing, our, our agency on VIP groups and the effect of them. And so our particular case, we increased, since the VIP group, we've increased customer lifetime value by 20% just with the VIP group. That's been the biggest driver right there. I'm sorry, I can't remember all these metrics. There were so many of these metrics that were just like, what? I was like, the amount of purchases went up 0.5 per person since the VIP group, right? So like people are almost making half a purchase more per customer. I mean, when we're talking like, you know, over the lifetime of our store, like in the hundreds of thousands of customers, that's a lot more orders, 
right? From the same customer and we're not paying to get to them, right? They're just reordering. Yeah, definitely. One thing I know you touched on earlier in this uh, podcast too was on the value of the content that's being created in these Facebook VIP groups, right? So you're getting the the product feedback and you're understanding what your audience wants. But another thing that you talked about is, you know, people are sharing photos, using the product, wearing the product and all of that stuff. I'd be curious to learn, you know, for someone that's collecting that much user generated content here at Trend, obviously we have our own creator marketplace uh, that we use to connect brands and influencers to create content. And so um, some of that to an extent is, is content that gets reused in ads and things like that. So I'd be curious for someone that has collected this huge mass of user generated content, what are you doing and what are you using it for to help drive and grow the business? Jay, that's a great question. We don't use it. <laughs> Uh, so it's interesting because UGC, I love from the user, I love whitelisting, you know, uh, really good, clean content. But for some reason, we've just never made that crossover of like really homespun UGC in ads. So I, I like it just for the fact that it's just, you know, when somebody posts in our VIP group, their post, because we can see all those analytics within the post, they gets to about 3000 people, right? We have... 20 people posting a day, that's 60,000 impressions. Yes, they're all within that same ecosystem, but that's 60,000 impressions that we're getting almost daily for free, right? That's a huge amount, right? At a $10 CPM, that's like 600 bucks of impressions every single day that we're getting. And maybe some days it's 10 posts, maybe some days is 30, but that's, we're really letting the platform use that user-generated content. I think one of the biggest issues is that we've just never actually worked with a platform like that where we can take user-generated content, get permissions for it, and then use it. Very cool. Um, and, and that's a really interesting way of thinking about it because, you know, over here, we think about it in the sense of, you know, you want to pick the right people to work with. So that way, maybe there's a little bit of audience crossover and you're targeting in a specific niche. So maybe you're hitting those people with, uh, you know, two to three images from different people, just the same thing you are in the Facebook group. And that exposure to that product and continuing to see someone using that and, and different people using that, they feel more and more like, hey, this is a product for me. So I think it's really cool how you're kind of doing the same thing, but on a, on a different kind of channel. Obviously, you know, Facebook and Instagram, the same thing, but a, a different feature totally. of that channel, yeah. which is really interesting there. Awesome. So one of the things I want to ask is, you know, we're coming to an end of this podcast over here and, and wrapping things up. If you had to give three tips for brands that are looking to grow and scale, what would they be? They could be high level strategy things or, or more on the tactical side of things that you've seen um, work really well before. Yeah, awesome. So number one would just be build a gathered community, right? So I, I think I've talked about that enough today, like build that gathered community where people can talk back and forth amongst themselves and create something bigger than you could create by just advertising to them. Uh, number two is uh, either yourself, you know, know what your goal is with your advertising besides just driving just straight purchases, right? Figure out what that goal is, figure out what the, the key performance indicators are that actually matter or work with an agency that gets it, right? That to me is a really huge leverage point is figure out what that money is that you're spending, what it's for besides just driving purchases today. And then number three is um, continually develop new products, right? Once you have your first product, continually develop more products because your customers 
if they love you and they love that first product, they'll probably buy a second one. So just continually develop more and more products. Do more launches than you think you need to do. Awesome. Well, Jordan, that was a lot of great advice over there. I, I think we covered and unpacked a lot of different things on this podcast episode. So I appreciate you sharing and, and diving in over there. Um, before I let you go, I want to give you the opportunity if you want to share with the audience uh, you know, where they can learn a little bit more about you and possibly connect with you as well. Yeah, totally. So uh, for myself, I love connecting on LinkedIn. That's the the place that I hang out the most. If you just search Jordan West Marketer or even just Jordan West, I'll probably be the first one to come up as I'm very active <laughs> on LinkedIn. That's a great way. And then, you know, if, if you guys thought that the gated launch um, strategy was great, we actually have a um, free download for that at Mindful Marketing. Um, so it's at mindfulmarketing.co slash sales dash launch dash checklist. Um, so that's just a 35 point checklist that goes through exactly what we do when we do a sales launch as well as a gated launch. Awesome. Well, if anyone's listening out there, I'm sure they'll probably go in and download those resources to help them there. Jordan, thank you again so much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciated talking to you and, and learned a lot about leveraging Facebook VIP groups, um, which I don't think we've ever really covered before. So I appreciate you covering that topic. Hopefully for everyone that's listening out there, you, you got some good key takeaways um, that you can take and start implementing on your own. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, feel free to to drop us a quick rating um, and subscribe to the podcast. And other than that, we'll see you next time on the DTC pod. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks for having me.